I'm not just saying this because you dudes are here. Dude, y'all have a great podcast here. This thing's going to take, it's going to continue to take off. Hi, this is Sean Clinch, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave podcast. And we are extremely grateful for each of you, the listener and or the viewer. Of course, you can view all of our podcast episodes on Facebook, YouTube, and on Vimeo. And as we continue to grow, we have to continue to invest in ourselves to improve the product. And if you are at that point and you feel somewhat generous, be sure to log on to Buzzsprout, which all of our audio-only podcasts are, and click on the episode and scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see a link to a website called Buy Me a Coffee. Just click on that and donate whatever you feel like or whatever you're comfortable with, and I promise you we will reinvest that into continuing to improve this podcast. As for the next episode, let's ride. Man, we're almost here. We're almost time for kickoff of the 117th Red River Rivalry. In this episode, oh my gosh, we have hit almost every genre, every age group, every era. This guy is somebody that I really looked up to and a lot of people did. I'm not trying to show your age, Tom, but uh, you were part of those great teams, that Red River Rivalry in 68 in 69 under the great, late, great Daryl K. Royal. Um, man, you, you last time I saw you, you look about 30 years younger. So I don't, I don't know what the secret is. That group must have held on to their youth quite a bit from the late 60s, those great teams. Yeah, I don't know about all of us. <laughs> I got What's, some good genes somewhere. The, the Campbell genetics are top-notch. Yeah by the way, um, to tell the people who are maybe watching around the other parts of the state, across the country, or on the other side of the planet maybe, uh, your family played a significant role in UT football history. Um, growing up, and then how the Red River rivalry was such a significant piece of not only for you but your family, how big of a part of your life was that? prior to becoming a Longhorn to where you are currently? Well, golly, you know, just as a little kid and my dad being uh, Coach Royal's defensive uh, coordinator, they call it now, uh, <laughs> OU weekend was, uh, I would say it probably has always been the biggest weekend of the year in terms of football. Uh, Arkansas, you know, there's OU and then Arkansas was always not just our biggest rivals. They're our biggest competitor to tell you right. the truth. And, uh, in terms of a coach, uh, in terms of my dad, you know, he, he, to, to him playing OU was like any other week. You want to win the game, but we didn't treat it any. The only thing we did differently to get ready for OU is, as Coach Royal always made us practice on Sunday uh, before Monday, before the beginning of the week. And it was never fun, let me tell you that. <laughs> We're talking to Tom Campbell, 
former Longhorn defensive back greats and a significant uh, piece of Texas football history, including his family, his father. Um, when you look back at uh, some of those memories that maybe some stories that people are not aware of, of how different of a game it is, beginning with the tunnel, are there any memories of that game that even or even with Coach Royal in that locker room, that Cotton Bowl tunnel and locker room and on the field, which uh, you look back on and maybe you and your friends laugh, laugh about to this day? Well, yeah, there's a couple of things. One is, is number one, you're getting ready and you're in the, your locker room and you're coming out for the game and there's no way to not be nervous. If these guys today aren't nervous about going down that tunnel and getting ready to play Oklahoma, then they shouldn't even be out there. Right. Uh, you're not ready to play the game. Uh, going down the tunnel, uh, when I played, we our shoes were always had actually metal tips on the bottom of it. It was grass field, and you had to get good – your cleats down into the grass to get good traction. And uh, – the problem is, is when you're going down that tunnel from the locker room into the, onto the field level, uh, it was slippery. Yeah. <laughs> so you're on metal cleats and you're on smooth concrete. And the one message uh, that your uh, the upper class would give you is, don't you dare fall down, going down those. No pressure. <laughs> and and I'm telling you, it, someone inevitably would either on our team or OU and. And it didn't matter which team, everyone standing up just lit into that player, whether it's your own teammate. You dumbass. What did I tell you about that slick concrete? You take short steps. <laughs> so, so if you could get, get, down the, uh, get down the concrete ramp onto the field, then that was the hardest part of the game. Get, get down <laughs> just getting to, up and, to and from the field to the locker room. That's funny. They, yeah, you know nowadays they have a rubber tartan uh, surface they put down the center of it. I believe I did not know that. I think they do. It's uh, well, hell, their their shoes are rubber. Bottom of their shoes are probably rubber. It doesn't matter. That's a good point. That's a really good point. It's a totally different situation now. You know, just the story of life. Everything evolves and improves, and but one thing is constant with that game. You 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 mentioned it that that uh, tunnel is such an iconic piece of in college football history. Now, when you walked out of the locker room, what were those glares like when you looked over at the other locker room? Cause you're literally facing each other when, cause you guys walk out, you see the Sooners immediately, correct? Yeah. We, they have us walk out at the same time. Of course it was always on national television and, <laughs> and uh, you, you just coming out at the same time. We're walking side by side. Woo. But yeah, I can't. I don't know if they do that now. I got to tell you, we oh. certainly didn't do any trash talking between the two of us. We not walking down the ramp saying "Oh, you sucks" and stuff like that, and horns down coming from the other side. In uh, many of the times, these we played high school ball with some of these kids. You know, they were they were our competitor that day, but they were still our friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's a much different situation now. Uh, they, they, 
out of precautionary measures, the two teams are they come out of their locker rooms at different times, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of jawing from the others because uh, you can see each other, but the you you can feel that glare, the power. Oh yeah, of the glare. it's amazing. Oh yeah, you're right. It's it's dark in that tunnel. Come out and <laughs> and, and but you can see a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. What? You know, they call it a mid-season bowl game. And I'm not a fan of rankings, preseason rankings. Do you do you have the same opinion that this game really dictates what a team is possible, what they can achieve for the rest of the year? I th- it, cert- it certainly was back in the 60s. Uh and there were times, you know, it's just like today. There was there was a period of time when OU would win three or four games in a row, and and you're desperate to beat OU. <laughs> and the problem is, is when you're desperate to do anything, you usually aren't very good at it. <laughs> you can't do anything desperate when you're desperate. Uh, and I get, you know, I'm kind of looking at it now. Texas might be feeling somewhat desperate. How many years since we beat Oklahoma? It's three consecutive losses to OU in this game. Well, probably the best thing we got going this this uh, this year is that they don't have uh, they don't have those two quarterbacks that played there the last five years. <laughs> Murray and, the, and Mayfield, right? Yeah, Kyler and Mayfield. But the, hey, Spencer Rattler, he's not a bad QB. I just I just think that. Uh, Texas and OU are both struggling on the offensive line. That's what it seems like. Well, I I think so, but I'll I'm you know I I'm not a kind of guy to get on there and everything is uh, peaches and cream. <laughs> uh, I just tell it like it is. One hundred percent. You know, when you've got a defense that gives up two ninety-nine yard drives against. Uh, TCU, that's unheard of. I've never heard of that. Two ninety-nine yard drives in the same game. In the same game. In the same game. I I don't even know that's possible. And now we we lose a really good offensive lineman. Oh yeah, Denzel Okafor uh, out for the year. He's been here a while, and he was starting to really come around. So when when you look at all these elements we're talking about, I mean, do you feel as from your experience in the sixties and Daryl coach Daryl Royal, his philosophy, and you see how the modern game has evolved and the trends that this rivalry takes. Do you feel like, okay, you get a win in this game, all of a sudden teams start realizing who they are and what they're capable of, or am I over just kind of a, out of balance no, I think, thinking that. I think you're right. As a matter of fact, we always had the attitude, if we beat OU, we felt like we had a good football team and would and would do good the rest of the season. That was always the case. Uh and and I would you know I would expect that's the same way. But you know, honestly, when we we you know what honestly rice uh it got to be a point where Rice and SMU were, were not that big of a competition <laughs> for us and, and Baylor. And some of that was just because that wishbone yeah. was just no one could defend it. And so it made it, it, made it non-competitive. 
Uh, but that my in '69 against OU, I'll tell you this story. Uh, uh, in the '69 game against OU, all of a sudden we have an interception and a fumble, and next thing you know, uh, Oklahoma is ahead 14 to nothing. Wow. Yeah. And uh, uh, my my brother Mike, who was playing a kind of a weak side linebacker, comes off the field. My dad had the idea of the, the issue, the problem was they had this tight end, Steve Zabel, who was about 6'4 and weighed about 240. <laughs> and uh, and so the strong side linebacker, my dad was thinking, was ju- he was just getting killed. <laughs> and the year before, my brother Mike played that position, and but now he's the rover. And uh, daddy tried the number one weak strong side linebacker and they scored seven points. He tried the number two outside linebacker scored seven more points. So, he, so he comes up to Mike and said, Mike uh, said, I'm putting you in against that uh, tight end for uh, OU. I know you played that strong side linebacker before. And if you can't whip him, we're not going to win this football game. And uh, they scored three more points. <laughs> and that was it. Yep. That was it. And then the turning point and the wishbone took over, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of that was fire. Listen, that that wishbone offense is unstoppable if you've got a, a good a, a good passer and a really good wide receiver like Cotton Spire was. It's it's unstoppable because you got to play him one-on-one. There's not any defensive backs that can cover all over the field, Spire or these guys today. Yeah, but, you know, nobody's going to play the wishbone today. It's defensively, it's extremely tough to defend because you got to run support. You got to, even though you may not be involved on the play as a safety or run support corner, you've got to come up and hit somebody, even though they may not. It's assignment. You break it as you know, you know all too well. Yeah. And a long one, they break it quickly. I mean, when did OU implement the wishbone? Because Barry did a great job with it. Oh, man, he had talent. Listen, wishbone doesn't work any better than any other offense if you don't have the talent. <laughs> and I can't remember Mildren. I don't know that when Jack Mildren was their quarterback that they ever run the wishbone. It might have been after he was gone. But it might have been Mildren's senior year when they went to the, to the wishbone. And, and, boy, were they good at it. God, the late Jack Mildren, he was one of the – First guys I met when I moved up to Oklahoma City, and I didn't. I knew the name. I didn't know much, but he is one of those guys that uh, a lot of legends. He's one of those legends which were born from the yep. Texas OU game. Yeah, Tom, real quick, what's your gut feel on this game? Uh, if if somehow or other we could make Spencer Rattler have a bad football game, I think we'll win the game. <laughs> Put a little pressure on it because he's been known to be average at best if he's pressured. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, Tom, uh, we, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I have a different feel every day this week. I have no way I, that I lean one way <laughs> or the other. I, I don't know why it changes. Oh, my gosh. Listen, it's a big, big week, and uh, – when I was a junior, uh, the second game of the year, I got moved up to first team, which was a big surprise. And uh, in my sophomore year, I didn't even suit out for the OU game. Uh, now I'm, I'm 
than my junior year. All of a sudden, I'm second. I moved up from second team to first team, and uh, and I did pretty good that third second game, and then pretty good the third game. But now we're playing Oklahoma. Yeah, this tells you a lot about my father. Uh, we're playing OU, and again, going back to that uh, that tight end that OU had, I was a strong side linebacker myself. If the tight end came to my side. And I guess my dad knew what my capabilities were because I found myself having two pretty good games and come into the locker room Monday of the OU week and find out I've been demoted to second team. <laughs> oh no! And oh, uh, yeah, man. and 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 I knew who their tight end was. I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> Honestly, I knew that I was not ready to go up against this guy. And and it's, and I think my dad knew mentally I wasn't ready for that atmosphere. And uh, I played some 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 plays in that game, but uh, another guy played that. But the very next week, he moved me back to to a first team. He just knew that I was not ready for that atmosphere, and that's a big issue for, and especially today when they're playing freshmen and sophomores, are they ready for that atmosphere? That's significant. Tom, I can't wait. Um, I really appreciate you taking time to join us here at Stories Inside the Man Cave for this special edition. We've got a, a great bunch of series dedicated to Red River Rivalry, and we really appreciate you making the time for us. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And I'll be in touch. All right, for, Sean. Absolutely, my friend. And for the uh, Man Cave boys, Big Mike, Coach Mo, and Hardball Hards, and the great – Tom Campbell. <laughs> All <We> right. <laughs>